Oh my gosh, folks. It is such a delight to be back here with Sadhvi Bhagavati Saraswati Ji at Parmoth Nikitan Ashram in Rishikesh, India, on the banks of the Holy Ganges River. And Sadhvi Ji, I just want to say thank you to you and Swamiji and all of Parmoth Nikitan. Parmoth Nikitan and the International Yoga Festival has been really the anchor and heart for the Yoga Day Summit from the very beginning. We have interviews from other people around the world, but there's a really special quality here. And, you know, this is the birthplace of yoga, this region. There's a special quality. And people who have watched the Yoga Day Summit said there's a transmission that comes. Can you please share a little bit with people who are watching this about the special presence here in Rishikesh? In most parts of the world, you sit down and you practice meditation. And if you're very lucky, in the, say you sit for half an hour, in the 30 minutes that you sit practicing meditation, you get a few minutes, a few minutes of really being there. And the rest of the time is the mind goes, you bring it back. The mind goes, you bring it back. Here, you sit down and meditation happens. Mm. There's a power that's here that I think has been accentuated by thousands of years of rishis and sages and saints coming to these mountains and doing their spiritual practice, doing their meditation, doing their yoga. But that's not the cause of it. Clearly something drew them here to begin with. There's something in the air. There's something in the soil. There's something in the water. Of course, it's Mother Ganga. Mm-hmm. But there's really, there's really a magic that's here in which regardless of why you think you came, you get touched by it. And so you sit down and meditation just happens. So yes, it's, it's the birthplace of yoga in that the sages and the saints and the rishis from whom we have our scriptures, from whom we have all of the you know, spiritual philosophy, many of them, not all, but many of them, sat here in the Himalayas channeling it. Mm. And so a lot of that which we have as the, the yogic wisdom, and by yogic wisdom I don't just mean, you know, the wisdom of the postures, but really the entire spiritual tradition of yoga. Because yoga, of course, means union, and the union of the self with the divine. And so this practice of uniting with the divine through my body, through my breath, through my mind to my muscles, yes, but all of those are just media for the ultimate union of mm. myself to the divine. And so this, this was the place. These are the Himalayas. This is the banks of Ganga. This is the land of channeling wisdom. And so... People come. Some come looking for that. 
Some come just because they're a favorite teacher or someone they've always wanted to study with and haven't had the opportunity to is going to be here. Some come because it sounds exotic and exciting to come to India. But it doesn't matter why people come. That touch is there for everyone. And grace is so beautiful, it doesn't really have any prerequisites. It doesn't say, ah, well, you've come with a deep spiritual yearning. So I'm going to give you this deep spiritual touch. And well, you over there, you only came to lose a little bit of weight. So no, that's all you're going to get. Grace is so compassionate that regardless of whether you came for the most deeply spiritual or the most superficial, it doesn't matter. That touch is there for everyone. Well, it's, as you speak that, I am just feeling my own experience the last four years coming to the International Yoga Festival, being here at the Ganji. It's just such a transformation that I personally have experienced. And you've seen thousands of people come here. And, and for the Interna- International Yoga Festival, has been growing. It was just given an award for being the largest world record award. Yeah. But what have you noticed of people coming from multiple different countries and the transformation that they experience here at the International Yoga Festival? So that touch here, that experience, of the divine. That meditation that just just comes is something that touches people of every race, every religion. It's not about, oh, you get touched by, you know, the Hindu divine. Yes, here we are on the banks of Ganga. Yes, here we are in the lap of the Himalayas. But the energy that touches is a universal energy. It's not a a Hindu energy. It's like if you take triphala, Mm -hmm. which is an Ayurvedic medicine for stomach ailments or constipation. Well, sure, triphala was developed by rishis meditating in the Himalayas who were of the Hindu tradition. The teaching has gone into the Ayurveda, which is a scripture of the Hindu tradition. And yet, when Christians and Jews and Muslims and atheists take trifla, it works. Mm. It's not like, you know, it only works, it, it only works on Hindu stomachs. It works on everybody. And when people of other religions take it, it's not that they wake up in the morning and suddenly the trifla has made them Hindu. They wake up as the same Christian or Jew or Muslim or atheist, but just with a clear stomach. Because it's universal. And in the same way, the, the power, the energy, the touch of this place is so universal. And it heals us and touches us on a level that is beneath, deeper than any religion we identify as, any race we identify as, any culture we identify as. And so, like Trifla for the stomach, it's, it's a touch, it's an energy, it's a healing for the self. 
And then, but the other piece that I wanted to mention is, I think as it's grown, we've also started to see a lot of multicultural, intercultural transformation. Mm -hmm. And so you get people coming from countries that are at war, that are enemies, Mm. reaching out to each other. Mm. We had a beautiful social media experience from some of our ambassadors from the Middle East Mm. of different religious traditions, different countries that are at war. Um, And after I had an opportunity to sit in satsang with all of our ambassadors from different countries, the two of them went out and did this beautiful social media piece about love and coming together and oneness. And so there's, there's transformation on that level as well mm-hmm. that we really hope will have ripple effects that where so many people see social media and get further divided, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. further instigated or pushed back into their own box, mm-hmm. that now people are coming and sort of transforming that narrative Mm-hmm. of, look, here we are together in oneness, in yoga, in peace. And when we go back, we're still going to be in yoga, in oneness, in peace. And if that can ripple out, then the transformation is even even much bigger and more powerful than just what happens in this week. Well, I, this is the part that really touches me. I, mean, I get moved when you describe that because... You know, yoga from the birthplace is now spread around the world. International Day of Yoga. You have you've had people from nearly a hundred countries here in the last two years, and and we can see this harmony here. And and yoga is also in almost every country around the world. And you travel quite a bit. You and Swamiji were at the United Nations last year for an International Day of Yoga. Can you reflect on that? So that deep essence here and the deep wisdom of yoga and the transformation you're seeing in the West when you're out traveling. Yes, it's, it's, been, it's been really beautiful. Um, a lot of people in the West still have this misconception that yoga is really just, just about exercise, that it's just about the postures. And so when we were asked to lead the International Day of Yoga program at the United Nations in New York, It was such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And we led a two-day program. The first day was experiential Mm -hmm. on the lawn of the United Nations with the president of the General Assembly and their ambassadors, and of course, official ambassadors, whereas at our yoga festival, it's more, you know, representatives of countries. At the UN, it's your actual ambassadors. And... Everybody had yoga mats, and we had wonderful, you know, asana classes. But we were able to use the opportunity to also give people the message of really what yoga is. That, yes, here's these great asanas, and yoga is also oneness. Yoga is also coming together, so we were able to take them into meditation. We were able to speak about choices, for example, of what we eat, how we live, how we shop. Because yoga is not just what you do on the mat. Yoga is what you do off the mat. Mm -hmm. And so your dietary choices, 
your shopping choices? Are you eating vegetarian? Are you not eating vegetarian? Are you buying organic? Are you buying fair trade? Are you living simply so that others may simply live? Or are you hoarding the world? Well, there's a reason that in the eight limbs of yoga, in the very foundation of them, in the yamas and the niyamas, Patanjali taught apigraha, non-hoarding. Asteya, non-stealing. If I'm hoarding the world's resources, if I'm stealing water, stealing food, stealing land, out of the hands and the mouths of my sisters and brothers who are poor in other countries, well, then it doesn't matter what I do on my mat. It's not yoga. And so we had an opportunity to really share that, you know, to explain about the yoga in life, that yoga mm-hmm. is not just what you do. Yoga is who you are. Mm-hmm. And we had an opportunity to do a beautiful water blessing ceremony. Prayers for water, pledge for water. We were able to bring in, we brought in Jayu Tal, who'd sung Kirtan, bring in some bhakti yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That devotional aspect. And so it was just a wonderful opportunity to really be able, because they just, they gave us the stage. Mm-hmm. And said, okay, you know, you've got, it was an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it was, to really just bring yoga to mm-hmm. the UN. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to bring in all of the different elements. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we had a, a big program on yoga for health with the executive director of the WHO, mm-hmm. the World Health Organization, who... Amazingly, they're now deep into research on yoga for depression. Mm. And it was just so beautiful to be together. And she showed up in a sari. You know, she's, she's Eastern European, showed up in a sari, <laughs> loves India, loves the culture. And it was so beautiful, A, to realize that the WHO is actually focusing on things like depression. Mm-hmm. And B, that they're focusing on how yoga mm-hmm. can serve as the treatment for that mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. And so we had a beautiful, beautiful program on that as well. And, you know, as Pooja Swamiji said, he said, here we are at the United Nations. But yoga brings about a united creation. Mm-hmm. And how can we at the United Nations have a united creation? Mm-hmm. And that was really the goal, and it, it was just so, so beautiful. Nice, nice, Sadhviji. Well, we, we could talk for quite a while, and I want to just ask you, you know, kind of wrapping up here, any messages for people who are listening here? I mean, here you are, you know, to remind people, you know, you're a PhD from Stanford University, you've been a Swamini here in Rishikesh for all these years, you've been able to bridge East and West in many different countries, and this deep presence of yoga. Any, anything from your heart and the wisdom for people who are listening who may be at different experience with yoga about the deeper opportunity here? I think for me the most important message in the world rooted in yoga is it's not nearly as small, as heavy, as boxed in 
as most of us feel our lives to be. Hmm. Most of us move through our lives with this experience of being in a box, whether it's a box due to our relationships, due to our culture, due to our financial status, due to our health, whatever it may be. But there's, there's this little, little box that most of us feel that we've got a bit of movement in, but very, very constricted. Lives feel heavy. It feels very small, meaning our focus. For most of us, life is about what happens in the office, what happens in the home, what happens in our relationships. And that's my, that's my entire worldview. Which means that when someone at the office or someone at home or someone in my friend circle says something or does something that hurts me or something didn't go the way I wanted it to go, it feels like it's all falling apart. Mm. And what yoga gives us, what spirituality gives us, is not a negation of that, because that too is a reality, but an expansion of that. And that the goal then of yoga, of spirituality, becomes not about change my circumstance, but expand my awareness. Mm-hmm. So a good way to think about it quickly and easily is you think, well, if I have a glass of water, and into that glass of water I drop a rock... What's going to happen? Well, the, the water is going to splash all over the place. It's going to be quite a thing. I'm going to lose most of my water. It'll be a fiasco as far as the glass of water is concerned. And that's how most of our lives feel. Like these, these rocks just keep, keep coming in, whether it's from you know our family members, our employers, our employees, our colleagues, our elected officials, our whoever it may be. These rocks just keep falling into this glass of my identity. And so we spend a lot of time trying to, you know, like, stop, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me be in peace. Let me just maintain mm-hmm. my, my peace, my joy. That's where you get the, like, I can't see you tonight because I'm feeling way too peaceful. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, just don't come near me. <laughs> things, are, things are really good. I just don't make me see that person. Uh-huh. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rock in my glass. And my glass is so tenuous hmm. that it can't, it can't handle that. But what yoga and spirituality really teach us is the goal is not to try to keep the rocks away. That's the world. They're going to keep coming. They're just as natural as the water is. Mm-hmm. But if you drop the same size rock in a bathtub, it would have less of an, less, less of an impact. If you drop the same size rock in a lake, it would have almost no impact. Drop it in the ocean, really no impact. Mm-hmm. And so the goal becomes, how can I go from being a glass to being the ocean? Mm. And that's, that's this expansion of consciousness that it gives us. And so if I, can, if I can use that, and even before I use it, if I can simply know it, If I can know that the problem is not the rock, the problem is that I'm living as a glass. And so at least my focus becomes not, oh my God, that rock. Mm -hmm. But rather, okay, 
how can I how can I breathe through the glass into my bathtubness? How can I breathe through my bathtubness into my lakeness? How can I breathe through my lakeness into my oceanness? Mm-hmm. And it's not a negating of the problems in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not an ignoring of the problems in the world. It's simply creating space in which the rocks will be there. But we can absorb that mm. without losing ourselves in the process. Mm. Beautiful, Sadhviji. Mm. Beautiful. Well, again, I just want to thank you so much for my heart and uh, you and Swamiji, you know, the wisdom that you share with the interviews, the presence here, hosting the International Yoga Festival, you know, partnering with the Yoga Day Summit so that we can bring wisdom from the International Yoga Festival and this transmission here, and the way that you're very relevant is the deep root of wisdom, and there's a very relevance. You know, all the seva work that Paramatma Nikitan, Divine Shakti Foundation does, a long list from sanitation to just working with women and children and and then the work you do with the United Nations, you're really just really grateful. So thank you for your friendship, partnership and who you are being and doing. So namaste. Om dare to, dare to.